Welcome to the Bridgeway Community Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Bridgeway, visit bridgeway.cc. Our campus pastor, Dave Michener, is doing an in-person and podcast-exclusive mini-series called Forgiveness for Real and encourages us, when you mess up, fess up. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this inspiring message. We all mess up. We all mess up. Therefore, we all need forgiveness. For real. We need forgiveness for real, for real. And that is why God, the Father, in his amazing love and grace, sent his unique one-of-a-kind God-man's son to earth who lived a perfect life and he died to pay the penalty for our sins to offer us forgiveness, not something we earn, not something we deserve, but in his mercy and grace, he gives it to us and all we need to do is reach out and accept it and take it and experience his forgiveness, his freedom, a forever family with God. Not only eternal life when we pass from this one to the next, but abundant life now and new life now. And that's why we sang all those songs. Forgiveness for real. My name is Dave Michener. I'm the campus pastor here at our Owings Mills Reisterstown campus. We are so glad that you're here. If you were expecting a Puerto Rican to be speaking this morning... I'm not that person, all right? I am a Peptonian. That's a pink person who looks like Pepto-Bismol, all right? That's me, all right? But we're going um, to get down into some stuff today, and I've, God's been laying on my heart over the whole COVID pandemic experience. And if there's anything that I'm taking away as a reminder from God during COVID, it's this, that relationships are the most important thing in life. Relationships. Our relationship with God and each other. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And I'm just going to pray. Dear God, I pray that you'd be all over this, that you meet with us as we meet with each other, that your word would come out, that the spotlight would be on you that we would be willing to grow and change to be more like Jesus. In his name we pray, amen and amen. So today we're going to be talking about when you need forgiveness. Next week we're going to be talking about when you need to extend forgiveness. So today we're on the receiving end. What do you do when you need to receive forgiveness? And as we've seen from the videos, we've seen from scriptures, it says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and we fall short of God's glory. And when we sin against God, quite often we sin against each other. Did you find out during the pandemic, perhaps more than ever, that you needed to make some apologies with the people that you live with? You know, I did. I made more apologies than I normally do. And I have some family members in the room right now that can attest to that. And they said, hey, that's <laughs> and they could say, and I, we could have thought of a few more times, pop, you know, that you could have, uh, you could have made some apologies. But here's the bottom line. I'm going to give you some things about that. But if you don't remember anything else, remember this, that when you mess up, fess up, 
and do your best to fix it up. <laughs> when you mess up, fess up, and do your best to fix it up. Now, turn to your person next to you and say, when you fess up, you better, you better fess up. When you mess up, you better. No, don't say any of that, all right? Because you know what? I already messed up in saying it, all right? And that's the main thing you need to remember. When you mess up, fess up, <laughs> and do your best to fix it up. Oh, my goodness. So why is it so difficult to seek forgiveness? Why? I mean, have you thought about it? Why, do you ever have a resistance to it? It's like, why should I go and ask for forgiveness? Why should I seek forgiveness? You know, perhaps it's, it's the pride in our lives. You know, we just like, you know what? I don't, why do, I don't answer to him. I don't answer to her. And you know what? I, I'm really not that bad. When I look around the room, you know, my stuff isn't as bad as other stuff. People's stuff, even though your stuff stinks just like other people's stuff stinks, you know. So it might be some pride that we have. It might be, it might be that we're angry ourselves because quite often when we're seeking forgiveness, there's another party that may have been involved in the, in the relationship where, where we were hurt as well. And so we, we might resist it for that reason or maybe because it's painful. It's painful. At least for me, I know it's painful when I know I've disappointed you, when I know I've hurt you, when I know I've, I've put our relationship on edge and in jeopardy, it hurts me. And I'm not looking for more hurt because sometimes when we apologize and seek for forgiveness, we're ask, actually risking more. We think we are. We're, we think we're going to risk more, maybe more penalty, maybe more rejection. What if they don't accept my apology? Man, there's a lot of reasons to not seek forgiveness. And one of the, I think the biggest ones is, is because we don't want to change. You know, I'm like, I don't want to change my behavior. I don't want to change my habits. It's just me being me, you know. But you know what? If we're going to be who God wants us to be, if we're going to be that kind of people, then when we mess up, we've got to fess up and do our best to fix it up. And we don't fess up when we mess up and do our best to fix it up because it's easy. We do it because it's right. We don't do it because it's easy. We do it because it's right. In Romans chapter 12, verse 18, it says, Do all that you can. Do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. And you know what everyone means in the Greek, right? Everybody, right? That's the word, the Greek word, everybody, right? Do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. That's the New Living Translation. In the New International Version, it says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. What's really interesting in this passage in Romans chapter 12, you know, the Apostle Paul is, starts off by saying, Hey, you should present your body a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable to Him, which is our reasonable service. And don't be conformed to the thinking of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And then he goes on. Just like when God tells us to do something, He usually tells us how to do it. He says, here's how you should live. And basically, all through that passage, He's saying, don't live that way, live this way. And I'll be honest with you, it doesn't make human sense sometimes. But the Bible also says there's a way that seems right to a man, and God's ways are higher than our ways, right? And so he comes to this verse right here and says, do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. So if I'm going to fess up when I mess up and do my best to fix it up, don't you want to do that well? Don't you, don't you want to get an A in that? 
you know, if it were school. So today I'm going to talk to you about how to get an A in forgiveness. How to get an A in forgiveness. And the reason you get an A in it because is they all start with B. A, yes, A, all right. So the first thing I wanted to share with you is if we're going to seek forgiveness, we're going to fess up when we mess up and do our best to fix it up, is we've got to admit we're wrong. We've got to admit that you've done wrong. Admit you've done wrong. Admission is simply a confession of what is already there. I admit what I have done. I'm calling it what it is. And when we don't fess up, when we mess up, it actually messes us up more. And it messes up the relationship more. But it messes up our insides more. Have you ever been in conflict with somebody and it's just like it's always there? It's just grinding your guts. It's, an, it's, it's, it's like a, an app on your phone that you're not using, but it's draining your battery. Right? It's just always there. This is what the psalmist, who happens to be King David, who happens to be uh, someone that loved God like crazy and God had a special soft spot in his heart for him. When he messed up, this is what he said in Psalm 32, verses 1 through 5. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Complete honesty and admission to God that this is, I'm just going to be honest with you, God. I'm just going to be honest with you, friend. I'm just going to be honest with you, Claude. This is what I've done. I'm sorry. I said I wouldn't call you out. I'm sorry. I did. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Will you, will you forgive me? All right, thank you. Um, and so, so then he comes to the point in the same passage, when I refuse to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my sin is gone. Isn't that great about God? You put it out there, you make a move toward God, he'll make big moves toward you. Draw close to God and he'll draw close to you, the word says. Now, does that always happen when we make moves to somebody else? No, but it always happens with God. But when we fess up, not only to somebody else, but to God, he promises us to clean us up. He doesn't leave us the way we are. So when we admit that we've done wrong, it gives him, we're saying, God, you have permission. You have permission to clean me up. Because in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us from all our unrighteousness. And he cleanses us from that. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness, from all unrighteousness. So when we're honest with God, when we're honest with ourselves, then he cleans us up. What's interesting, around that verse, we're quick to quote that verse, and that's not meant to be a Bible band-aid on a gaping wound. That is truth from God's word, and we should be fully aware of it. It's basically saying, if you, if you don't think you don't have sin, if you don't think you have wrong, then, then you're kidding yourself. You're fooling yourself. You're deceived. Then the verse after that says, and if you don't think you have sin, 
then you're calling God a liar because he just told us all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Plus, you live with yourself. You know. And if you don't, everybody around you does. And then there's that verse in the middle. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He just doesn't say, okay, you're forgiven. Go sit in the corner. No, he pushes us back in the game. He cleans us up and pushes us in the game. And we're called to not only confess our our sins to God and our wrongs to God, but we're called to confess our sins to each other. In fact, the book of James, in the church, Pastor James is writing to his people, and he's saying, some of you guys have got all kinds of issues. Some of them are mental health issues. Some of them are physical issues. Some of them are relationship issues. And here's what you should do in James 5, 16. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Healing comes when we begin to admit that we've done wrong. If you're in a relationship and you have a rift and you don't admit you, your part in it, it's not going to heal. You know, there's that saying, uh, time heals all wounds. You know what my father used to say? Time wounds all heals. Yeah, that's what he would say. He said a lot of things. Some of it I can't say from the, the platform. But he said, time, time wounds all heals because time all by itself doesn't heal. It's what we do with that time and what we allow God to do with that time that makes the difference. But the reality is that we can't really do this without God's help, which is why the second part of that verse, hang in there with me, in James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So when we pray, stuff happens. God pays attention. And so... You, you, might, you might be a little nervous about admitting that you've done wrong. That's kind of the private aspect of it. Okay, I realize I have jacked this up. You know, my stuff stinks, and it's affecting other people because sin always has collateral damage. Always. It always has a ripple effect in one way or the other. But when we confess it to God and we confess it to ourselves and even admit it to each other. God begins to heal. God begins to cleanse. Don't you want that? Don't you want that for real? Not just that, sorry, not sorry. No, you want forgiveness for real, right? So the first way to get an A in forgiveness is to, is to admit that you've done wrong, as hard as it might be. The second thing is to ask God for help. I just mentioned it. We've got to ask God for help. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Pray that God will work in your heart. Pray that God will go before and work in the other person's heart that you need to make an apology to, that you need to seek forgiveness from. Because fessing up and fixing up is hard work. It's not for, it's not for the casual Christian. It's, for, it's, it's, it's stuff that you've got to do, and it's hard. It's, and, it, and we don't do it because it's easy. We do it because it's right and, and because we care about relationships. And God loves to help us when we obey him. Well, last week was July 4th, and, you know, at our home we celebrate freedom. Um, when my sons were younger, we celebrated it more by blowing stuff up. Um, <laughs> Or basically, you know, I would have to ask forgiveness to the police officers that showed up at my house. Uh, you know, you're raising boys. You raise three. There's 12. There's 14 of them at your house. And 
And there was one time in particular, there was this, this guy that came over and he says, can I blow off fireworks? You know, we had all this open area there in Columbia at the townhouse community in which I lived. And I said, yeah, you can blow that off. I didn't realize his in-laws owned a fireworks stand in Pennsylvania. <laughs> and, and we had our, our deck that we used to pray over because there was one time we had like 18 people on this little deck of this of, of, of this townhouse, and he shot that first one up, and the report of it just going up in the air was louder than anything we had ever shot off there before, and then all of a sudden, and it was one of those things where to look at one firework, you had to turn your head. It was so big. It put, it put the, the Orioles game fireworks. Remember when the Orioles would hit home runs way back uh, b- before covid when they would hit home runs, and um, they would blow off fireworks. It was like that kind of fireworks. And I had this tightness in my chest, and I'm like, this is more than we bargained for. And, I, you know, we've been trying to build bridges to our neighbors. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And this one neighbor, this one neighbor, God, I was going to say, God bless her, but I wasn't thinking that. She came to the front door, and I was down, down in the pit there where they were lighting them just trying to negotiate this whole thing you know and she came and she basically lit into my my wife if you know Donna she's not the person that typically gets lit into you know she's kind and and she was <laughs> and this this neighbor went rated R on her and I was like I, I came to the front door and she's shaking I go did you like the fireworks and she goes no so and so was just here and so I felt terrible because we were leaving on vacation the next day and I'm like this is how I'm going to leave my neighborhood of course all the other neighbors that were over you know thought it was awesome but I, I, I sat down I said God you've got to work here you've got you've to do something give me some words to say and I realized I wasn't going to get to talk to her so I wrote her a letter and I put it in her door and I was hoping I would not have to see her. <laughs> Just saying. I hope I didn't have to see her. And so I, I put it in the door. I meant every word of it, and I owned it. I said, this was wrong. We shouldn't have done this. You know, we should have been down at the lakefront with all the other people fighting over their blanket space, you know, trying to get out of the parking lot and losing their sanctification for hours. That's what I should have been doing, all right? She read the letter unbeknownst to me, and I see her walking her dog. I'm in my car, and she's waving to me. And I'm like, this is a true story, true story. And so she says, Dave, Dave. And I rolled out my window. I said, hey, hey. And she said, I am so sorry. I I I can't say exactly what she said, but she lost something. She goes, I lost something, all right? Last night, and I am so sorry, and that was the nicest thank you note I've ever received. It was an apology. <laughs> years ago, years ago, we've maintained our friendship somehow because God intervened. Because God, in fact, yesterday we had a funeral service, a memorial service here for Grace Legon, and in walks my neighbor, her husband, who knew Grace. Because there's all these things. You don't know what you're doing. And years later, 15 years later, he shows up at Bridgeway Community Church for a funeral. Only God. God's busy. I was going to say God's a busy dude, but that's not a good way to say it. But, but I got your attention by saying that. God is busy, y'all. 
Ask God for help. That's the second A. Because when, when you mess up, you need to fess up and then do your best to fix it up. That's right. So number three is, all right, this is not rocket science. Apologize. It's one thing to admit that you've done wrong. And it's another thing to apologize for it. To actually feel sorry for what you've done. I mean, sometimes people say, I know I did wrong. I know I did that. I know I, I, I tore into him. I know, I know I said that to her. I know I did that, you know. And I'd do it again. <laughs> How many of us have said that? I don't care who it hurts. I'm just being real. Matthew 5, 23 through 25. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar of the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. To God, seeking forgiveness and reconciliation is a big deal. Because those of us who have crossed the line to trust Christ as our Savior, we are put into his family. Not simply his creation, but his family. And so therefore, he adopts all of us. We're all in one family. And so like a parent with their children, he sees his kids. And we can be all sweet on the parent and then at war with, as kids with each other. And that destroys the heart of the parent. It hurts. And God says it's so important to apologize to each other and to seek forgiveness from each other that before or while you come to me, if you remember, if you think about it, even if it's, oh, man, that's right, I have that going on. Or sometimes when you come to the house of God or, or we gather together in a room like this and sing, God starts poking at us, doesn't he? Does he do that to you or is it just me? He starts poking at things. And he's saying, listen, you need to handle your stuff with that person. When should you do this? According to this, soon. All right, don't sit on it. If, if, if God is, is pointing something out and you know you've done wrong, you've admit, especially if you've admitted it to him and you're asking him for help, you need to make that happen soon. All right? And so I would say that we should rush to an apology, but we don't have to rush to the acceptance of one. And I'll say more about that in a second. So find a suitable time. Take the initiative. Make it a priority. And I, I just want to say, as a reminder again, as, as one who suffered a lot of loss, like many of you have over the pandemic, this has been some kind of year, that we don't know how much time we have. Life is often shorter than we think it is. And do you want the last thing you said to that person you have an issue with to be the last thing that you said to the person that you have an issue with? God's saying, listen, I want your worship, but you got to go handle your stuff. You need to go apologize. Don't let it sit. And I will, I will say this, a practical application of this practical application would be to get the book called I For Grace You. It just so happens to be by Dr. David Anderson. And I do not, you know, I'm not getting a raise based on the sales of this product, right? It is the best book I've ever read on forgiveness. 
It's the shortest book I've ever read on forgiveness. It's the best one, and it talks about how to make these apologies. Also, when you make your apology, you've got to say some words. You don't just show up, right? You need to say the right words. And what are the right words? I'm not sure. That's why you better be praying. But I will tell you this. They have some of these words in it. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Sometimes we apologize, and we should. I'm sorry that when I said that, I'm sorry that when I did that, that it hurts you. And that is true. But sometimes it's more than that. I'm sorry that I said that because I was wrong. Will you forgive me? And I would say when you're saying these words, be specific. Be specific. Own the percent that is yours. And don't point out the percent that's theirs. So I, I'm sorry. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, will you forgive me for the 10% of all this mess that's mine? I'm giving you a tithe. All right? No. no. The more you try to explain yourself during the apology, the more it sounds like an excuse. So stop and listen to the other person's response if they have one. If they don't have one, just be quiet and give them permission to think. This may not be your only conversation about the matter. If they don't have a response, be okay with that. That means they're taking it as seriously as you are. And sometimes we just, you know, I'm kind of this guy. I say stuff and then I'm like, oh, man, why did I say it? I'm so sorry. You know, three words that every marriage needs, right? Not just I love you, but I'm sorry again, right? And so, like, I'm so, honey, I'm sorry. Sometimes I get amped up and I say things right at the beginning of the conversation that, you know, if you just let me keep talking, I'll fix them. And my wife's like, I can't. I don't have amnesia in the first five minutes of the conversation. No. Sometimes we need to slow our roll, think about what we have to say. Own it. Be specific when we do it. Don't try to explain it away. Don't try to become the center of the issue. Like, you know, I know I hurt you, but I'm hurt too. Have a spirit of humility when you make your apology. Don't come in there having all the answers. Come in there as a learner and listen. And then I would say the the other thing is to just step back then. Just step back. I might say something like, hey... I was wrong when I said this, um, and I did this, and I just feel sick about it. I am really sorry. And will you forgive me? Now, you don't need to forgive me right now. And I know that because of the deep hurt of it, you may need to wake up every day and decide to forgive me. But in due time, over time, if you're willing to put in... Give me a second chance and let me put in some work. I hope that you'll forgive me. I would like that. You don't have to answer now. And then step back. Some of you are saying, what world do you live in? (laughs) Your world. God knew that when he told us this here. So we're going to need God's help when we do this. When you mess up, fess up. And do your best to fix it up. That's number three. We only got two more and the last one's pretty short. It's like the conclusion. The fourth thing is to attempt to rebuild 
trust and possibly your reputation. There's a saying that says you got one shot at character. I believe you have more than one shot at character because God has a way of changing us. I believe God can change us, but you may only have one shot at reputation, what other people think of you. And, and sometimes we have to just live with that. And I say attempt to rebuild trust because that, that scripture verse, Romans 12, 18, do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. It doesn't mean that you will live at peace with everyone, but you have to do all you can. Take that initiative. Put in your work. Go hard at that. NIV, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So how do you attempt to rebuild trust? I think it starts with accepting the consequences. Accepting the consequences because it, it, it demonstrates that you have taken this seriously and that you're willing to change. <laughs> when I was in high school, oh my word, I was very white when I was in high school. Um, that was a picture of my, high my, senior, my senior picture. But while I was in that year of my life, I worked at a, 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 a home improvement store, kind of like Home Depot or Lowe's, right? And Mr. Murgo was my boss. And I was the youngest employee at the time, right? And uh, I was on the maintenance team. I was pretty much the janitor. It that's bottom line what it was. And I was like the low man on the janitor totem pole. Did you know that there was a janitor totem pole? I was the low man, the youngest guy. So I was responsible for the waste baskets, the ashtrays, the toilets, and the floors. And part of my job was to run this high-speed buffer on these floors to make them shine, you know. It, this was back when they would put tile on the floor, you know, and you, you have to make them shine. And so this high-speed buffer, I'm like, and I'm back in the section where they have these displays for showers and bathrooms and stuff. And there's this, these shower displays, and there's a shower curtain, and then um, there's another shower curtain and tub. And I'm like doing my job, and I didn't realize it, but that high-speed buffer caught the corner of a shower curtain that was hanging down. And the next thing I knew... All of these display units are moving. It's like, like, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And I shut it off, and I was like, ah. But what I didn't know is that all these shower doors had been stacked in between them. And so when I shut the buffer off, I went, ha, ah, it went, and another one bites the dust, and another one falls, and another one falls. And they just started breaking hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of these shower doors, and I'm 16 years old, making a dollar nothing an hour, you know, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, and so I had to go over to that, that pole, some of us remember, where there was a red phone in the store, <laughs> Mr. <clears throat> Mr. Murgo, you need to come to aisle seven, you know, Mr. Murgo comes, he's a tough guy, he comes down, what's going on, Dave, I'm like, uh, Mr. Murgo, I, I messed up. This buffer hit this, and I'll, I'll pay it back. I'll skip college, you know. <laughs> I'm like, he goes, well, he's like, hey, Dave, well, let me, let me ask you something. Mr. Murgo says, let me ask you something. Um, did you do it on purpose? I said, no. And then he goes, did you do it? He goes, I'm trying to think what the employee handbook says. Uh, with malicious intent. I said, I don't know what that is, but I'm pretty sure I didn't do it with that, Mr. Murgo. And then he said, all right. Be careful next time. I'm like, okay. 
I said, is there anything else? He goes, yeah, clean it up. <laughs> Except the consequences. I'll never forget about the grace that he showed me and the mercy that he showed me when I was a young man. And, and you can say, don't you have any more recent illustrations? Yeah, I do. I do. But that one makes the point, doesn't it? <laughs> we have to own the consequences. That begins to rebuild trust. If I would have said, hey, it wasn't my fault. Y'all need to get better buffers. I'm calling my union rep, you know, and, you know, w- w- which I didn't know what that was then, and we didn't have one. Um, that would not have gone very well in the situation. So attempt to rebuild trust by accepting the consequences. Attempt to rebuild trust by offering or sacrificing something to show your sincerity that you're serious and possibly to help heal the situation. Don't just say something, do something. Prove it. There was a story in the Bible about Jacob and Esau. These guys were two twins, right? And um, they were going at it from before they were born in the womb. I mean, the mother could hardly stand it. She prayed to God, what are you doing? You're going to kill me with these two kids inside of me, God. And so they were like wrestling around even as they were coming out of the womb. And Esau was the oldest by a foot, literally a foot. You know, he was, the brother was holding on the foot, you know. And, you know, and then Jacob was born. And, you know, kind of mom had her favorite and Jacob, he was more of a homebody. And Esau was kind of dad's favorite. And he was like an outdoorsman, out, out killing stuff and making making meat food for his dad, and, and so they had all this going on, and his dad was getting older and older, and, and he knew he would be passing soon, and the tradition in, in the day was that you would share a blessing with your oldest son, which was rightfully Esau, even if it was just by a foot. And one day Esau was coming in from um, hunting, and he smelled this food that Jacob was cooking in the kitchen, and he says, give me some of that. And Jacob's like, well, what are you going to give me for it? They're, they're so brothers. You think brothers have changed. No, they haven't. What are you going to give me for it? He goes, I'll tell you what. If you give me your inheritance, then I'll, I'll give you some of this red stew that I'm cooking. And he's like, deal. I'm like, all right. So he did. Comes time for the blessing. Jacob remembers this. And he sneaks in. And there's a lot more to the story. It could totally be a Netflix miniseries. There's more to the story. But bottom line, he steals the blessing from his blind father. Esau comes in and finds out. And he is angry to the point where he actually wants to come after his brother, possibly kill him. And Jacob's mother says, you need to get out of town. In fact, you need to flee the country. So he does. Miles, hundreds if not thousands of miles away. 20 years pass. The breakup, the brother's breakup was in Genesis 25. It's only a few chapters, but 20 years pass. And it's time for Jacob and his family and all his crew and all his stuff to return back to his homeland. So he starts making his way back, and he realizes as he gets closer to home that Esau is there. And he's like, oh, snap, oh, man. And he gets afraid. And so... He hears that Esau has 400 men gathering with him. And he's like, it's been, I've had a good run. It's been 20 years, you know, but I think it's about over. And you know what he does? He, he comes out to Esau. 
and he bows down seven times before his older brother in a posture of humility. And you know what Esau did? It says in verse 4 of the brother's makeup chapter, Genesis 33, then Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they both wept. Wow. Part of what he did is he also brought an offering, a sacrifice to his brother to show how serious he was about it. And it wasn't just chump change. You know, it wasn't a Hallmark card, all right, even though this was a Hallmark moment. It wasn't, it wasn't a gift card, right? It was 220 goats, 220 sheep, 30 female camels with all their young, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, 10 male donkeys. He's basically bringing a whole zoo um, of cattle and, and, and a way for him to say, I'm, I'm giving you a sustainable gift, a substantial gift. Would you please understand how serious I am about that? But Jacob, oh, he said, no, I don't need that. He goes, Esau says, no, I don't need that. But Jacob insisted, no, if I have found favor with you, please accept this gift from me. And what a relief to see your friendly smile, I'll bet, you know. It's like seeing the face of God. And he's like, that was, I was about to see the face of God. Now I saw your friendly smile, so now I'm going to keep seeing your face, thank God. Please take this gift from me that I have brought for you. For God has been gracious to me. I have more than enough. And because Jacob insisted, Esau finally accepted the gift. Just because you accept a gift, just because you accept an apology, it doesn't mean it all went away. But it behooves us, and we'll talk more about this next week, to accept. In most cases, not every case. Always required to forgive. But, but I think it's important to demonstrate and rebuild trust by bringing something to the table. And the last part about this is I'll say, and we need to wrap it up, but avoiding repeating the behavior that required you to have to make the apology. I jokingly said, you know, in marriage you need those three words, I'm sorry again. And sometimes when we do it again, we do need to apologize again. But the better way is to stop doing what you need to apologize for. In Mark chapter 6, verse 12, it says, So the disciples went out telling everyone they met to repent and turn to God. Repent of their sins and turn to God. Repentance is a threefold process, and it basically means to change your mind. There's three things. It's stopping, turning, and proceeding. It's stopping what you're doing and your thinking and what you're saying. It's it's turning the other direction toward God and toward this kind of mentality and action that is described in his word, and it's proceeding the right direction. There needs to be some action that comes along with our apology to rebuild trust. Back in November 2019 in the National Football League, Miles Garrett of the Cleveland Browns took the helmet of Mason Rudolph of the Pittsburgh Steelers and he hit him in the head with it. This had never been done in NFL history, at least on camera, at least that we knew of. And it, it, it was pretty graphic if you saw the video. He takes and he hits him in the head with it. And there's a backstory, I'm sure, and they've talked about that. But what's interesting is that in January of this year, they met in a playoff game and they shook hands and dapped it up in the middle of the field. Did time just do that? No. Miles Garrett went to work. 
He at some point made an apology. He at some point went to anger management. At some point, he started doing the right things. We need to, when we, in essence, he repented. He made changes. When you mess up, fess up, then do your best to fix it up. Here's the last one. Accept forgiveness. Accept it. If someone offers you forgiveness, you should accept it. And I, I, we could talk a lot about shame. Shame says, you know, it's something that we want to hold on to and, and we want to say we are terrible. No, what you did was terrible. Ask forgiveness of that. Repent of that and move on. But accept the forgiveness when offered. And here's the thing. It's not always going to be offered. It's not always going to be offered. But it is always offered by God. How do you get an A in forgiveness? You admit that you've done wrong. You ask God for help. You apologize for real, for real. You attempt to rebuild trust. And you accept forgiveness. You need forgiveness. Well, when you fess up, when you mess up... <laughs> Fess up, do your best to fix it up. Because i got to tell you this, Pastor Dave comes. God will cancel your sin, but he will never cancel you. God will cancel your sin, but he will never cancel you. One more scripture, Psalm 103. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse you, nor remain angry forever. He will not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those that fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. God will cancel your sin, but he will never cancel you. He forgives. For real. Thanks for listening to the Bridgeway Community Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. You can learn more about Bridgeway by visiting our website at bridgeway.cc. You can download today's sermon notes at the link in the description. We hope to see you soon in person at our Owings Mills Reisterstown campus. Thanks for listening and have a great week.